Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. From the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, I will begin reading with verse number one. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? My subject comes from verse 6, and this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And I'm going to preach to you by the help of the Lord, Jesus knows. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Jesus knows. I don't understand COVID. I don't understand what's happening. I don't like it, but Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Lord Jesus, we stand in your presence today in this house that was built on faith and sacrifice. And I ask you that you will allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to give us direction, unction. And uh, I come against the spirit of fear that would hinder us from uh, hearing your voice and being obedient. In the name of Jesus Christ, let me preach with authority, power, and anointing. Revelation. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Earlier this week, I was praying about today's service here at Calvary, and I sincerely felt the Lord impress me that He wants to do more through this church than any of us have ever realized. He has established this church as an apostolic beacon in this county. And he is going to stretch your vision and expand your reach to allow your faith for his kingdom and your kingdom investment in his kingdom to be likewise strengthened. The Lord of the harvest already knows what he wants us to do through what he wants to do through this church corporately and through each of you individually to reach our world with the gospel. I am so thankful that the McGehays and also the Sizemores are here today and for your willingness to hear the voice of the Holy Ghost and follow. I'm convinced God speaks to people and they don't follow. But obviously you have said yes. Thank you. I can hear you saying, but we've, we're already reaching out and we have been reaching out historically, not just to our community, but we have impacted our world for years. And you're right. This church is a legacy missions-giving church. Brother, Pasley, or Brother Ellis shared with us Brother Pasley's declaration of faith to this church that what you would give to uh, missions, God would restore to you, and the math worked out. Hallelujah. And here we are. Not by accident, but by divine appointment and a man in a congregation who was willing to hear the voice of God and say yes. Thank you, Brother Sizemore, for reminding us of the importance of that. So uh, maybe you're thinking just how much more does the Lord expect of us? I'm so glad you asked. 
All Jesus needs is something to work with. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you have not yet seen. That small acknowledgement that perhaps the lad here with the little lunch was all that Jesus needed to release him to go to work. But before the master of the universe can do anything, he needs you to provide that initial faith impulse. Uh, The Apostle Paul referred to the measure of faith that is measured to each of us in his Roman letter 12.3. And that faith measure is in you for divine and holy purpose. It was measured to you for a purpose that is much higher than you can imagine. Jesus Christ can make something out of nothing, but he can't get started until you are willing to provide the faith for him to operate. And that reservoir is in you. You may not recognize it, you may not know it, but I have come here with a mandate from the Lord to unlock the potential of the faith that is in you for the cause of Jesus Christ. When Andrew said, there's a lad here, he was acknowledging that there is potential to rectify the problem. Never never mind the fact that Immediately when he said there's a lad here with a little lunch, his faith was smacked in a head-on collision by doubt. But what's that among so many? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I didn't mean to, to speak out of turn. Before the sentence was finished, he realized how foolish the suggestion was that 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 little boy's lunch would uh, come anywhere close to being what they needed. They didn't need a little boy's lunch. They actually needed Long John Silver's entire commissary. And how many times have we stopped within a hair's breadth of a miracle to argue that we aren't really going to get what we need or what you brought to the table was not sufficient? Oh, if somebody with great faith were here, maybe then God could. I'm telling you today, in the name of Jesus and by the authority of the anointing that is on me, you are here. You are purposed and designed for this time. You, my precious brothers and sisters, have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're not the first one to have that faith-doubt collision in your brain. Faith and doubt have been colliding for generations. The important thing is what will you do with what you have. Too many times we give mouth-to-mouth resuscitation to our doubts. We let our fears languish in the ditch and our faith languish in the ditch and eventually die. Matthew 14 records Simon Peter's faith-doubt collision. Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to you walking on the water and his faith got him out of the boat and his faith got him started toward Jesus and then his doubt reached up and smacked him as it were. And he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. You can can criticize Simon Peter all you want, but I'm going to applaud the fact that he allowed the faith that was in him to cause him to climb out of a perfectly good boat and start walking on water to go to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I call you today. Get out of your boat and start walking on the water and God will not allow you to perish. Maybe you've said, there must be something wrong with my faith. Or there must be something wrong with my experience in Jesus Christ. There are some people who just feel like they're a Jesus reject, but I'm telling you there is no such thing. It's exactly what the devil wants you to think. He wants to 
he will assist you to tear down everything God has done in your life and minimize what you've done to this point and where God wants to take you. But in the name of Jesus, I come against that. How many times have we gone out to do battle with the demons of doubt and fear and distrust only to end up bringing them home for pie and coffee as they further explain to us why our situation is so unique that God wouldn't possibly work in our behalf. I want you to know you are not the exception to every rule in the book. God will make a way for you. They sang it here a moment ago. He made a way. Don't know how, but he did it. Hallelujah. He made a way. I don't know how, but I'm grateful. I'm standing here because he made a way. One of the devil's most effective arguments in our lives is the argument, you are the exception to the rule. God does it for other people, but he won't do it for you. He's brought other people through your circumstances, but he's going to hang you out to dry in front of everyone and humiliate you. The Apostle Peter said... Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. If he's ever done it once, he will and can do it again. If he's ever done it for anyone, he will do it for you. And then the Apostle Paul said, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday and today and forever. And so... uh, Here we have 5,000 men plus women and children. You do the math. I'll just throw out some suggestions. If every man had a wife, every man needs a good wife. If every one of those couples have 2.5 children, you understand that there was quite a crowd of people that day. Brother Pasley did a couple of our faith promise commitment services and he named the little boy Chubby because he brought his lunch. (laughs) Brother Billy Cole was going to meet the king of Thailand one day and he had heard that sometimes you had to wait a long time to get in so he packed a ham sandwich in his pocket. And so they made the men sit down. Verse number 10 of John 6, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. The disciples to them that were set down, and likewise to the fishes as much as they would. One of the things you'll notice about the Lord is he will always allow miracles to flow through your hands. He could do it supernaturally but he chooses to allow you to put your fingerprints on what he's getting ready to do today there are going to be some wonderful people in this place put your fingerprints on the miraculous provision of almighty God as you invest in his work locally and globally An example, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Of course, except for COVID, we don't lay hands on people. I want you to know I have laid hands on people when I was wearing a mask, a gown, something to cover my head, and uh, also gloves, and it still works. Understand me today. What you find in the book will always work. There is no fine print. There are no exceptions. There are no asterisks to the promise of God. They are yea and amen and they always come to pass. Verse 12, I like this one. And when they were filled, he said the disciples gather up the fragments that remain. 
that nothing be lost. When we started the conversation, they were talking about everybody just getting a little. And uh, maybe you're of the hors d'oeuvre crowd. There are people in our church who like to have tea. And they feed you tiny little sandwiches and give you a tiny little cup of tea and a biscuit. And I guess that's okay if you're on your way from another meal. I mean, I can get into the ambiance, but when I'm hungry, get me a smorgasbord or, or something like that. When they were filled, said the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. You're going to be amazed at the fragments that remain. Some of you are going to have fragrance remain in your own home after you've given. There will be fragments remain in this church after you have sowed the seed. Understand something. God does not just supply barely enough or almost, almost what you need. He is a God of abundant supply. Verse 13, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I feel in the Holy Ghost that this church has come to an over and above period in your life. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost, Brother Ellis. Some of you have felt like you were just barely struggling for survival. But we serve a God of abundant supply. And when they picked up the fragments, there, was 12 bas- there were 12 baskets left over and above the need. I know what it's like to look at the books and say, how in the world is it going to happen And I also know what it's like when God provides an over and above experience. And we say, how did that happen? You made a way. Don't know how, but you did it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let faith arise in your heart today. Let's talk a little bit about your commitment. Young man in our church had been giving his missions commitment for Faith Promise was $25 a month. And so we were having a, we have a commitment service every year, as you do. And um, he prayed, and the Lord said $200. And so he said, but Lord, I can't afford that. I'll tell you what, God, I can afford $50. And... Um, So then he prayed again, assuming that God would get reasonable. And when he finished praying, God said $200. I've tried to talk God into some things and talk God out of some things, and it just works better if you just take what he says. And so on that Sunday, he wisely made that $200 a month commitment But he didn't know that when he got to work on Tuesday, they were going to call him in and give him a $50 a week raise. You do the math. My God knew what was going to happen on Tuesday. And that's why he spoke to him on Sunday. God knows what's going to happen to you next week, uh, next month. Uh, God is preparing you. He's setting you up for a miracle. Carrie Williams attended our church. She's gone on to be with the Lord. She was domestic. She did domestic work for a very wealthy family. They had. They were obscenely wealthy. They had, I think, five houses in different cities scattered around the country. One of them was in Columbus, and they kept staff at each house all the time, just in case they showed up, and everything was going was supposed to be just like they had been there all along and so sister williams cared for that that house and um so she got to work late one day uh sister williams did not have a car she rode public transportation uh 
And um, there were times that we'd be driving to church with our children and somebody would say, oh, there's Sister Williams, and we'd pull over and we'd give her a ride to church. And didn't make any difference. Rain, sleet, snow, sunshine, heat. She was always at the house of God without a car, more faithfully than some people anyway. Um, so she got to, ch- to work late one day, and her boss was there, and she apologized. She said, they changed the bus schedule today, and I'm going to have to catch the earlier bus because when I make the connection, the bus connection, uh, mine's already gone to get me here, and so I'm going to have to come earlier. I'm sorry I'm late. Didn't mean to be late. And he said, Carrie, can you drive a car? She said, oh, I haven't driven since I was a teenager. He said, but you can drive. She said, well, yes, I can. And when she got to work the next day, there was a brand new Ford Taurus sitting in the driveway. He said, Carrie, I have enrolled you in driver's ed. And when you pass driver's ed and get your license, that's your car. It came with insurance. It came with a gas card. It came with all the maintenance. And from there until the rest of her life, every two or three years, she would get a brand new car because she was faithful and she trusted God. And God all Always makes a way. Three weeks ago, we did our annual recommitment to our three-year stewardship capital campaign. We are now in the third year. And um, we first gave new members an opportunity to make a commitment for the the final year of the campaign. And uh, it's for our youth center and I'm just telling you, we need it. We, we need all of it and more. And uh, so anyway, we gave new people an opportunity to make a commitment. We presented the, the, we did a video presentation and we presented the whole thing. And um, then there were, we had a couple families who have paid theirs off early. Hallelujah. Then there are the rest of us plotters who gnaw on ours every payday. And uh, so we challenged anyone who has been so blessed as to pay theirs off early. They might want to increase their commitment. That's always appropriate when you're talking about your commitment to the things of God. And... um, this young family there, they've been gnawing on their commitment. And uh, the young man works for a company that does government contracts for security and fire safety and all that kind of stuff. And he is paid on commission. And um, so he told me afterward, he said, uh, my wife and I discussed it and we are going to be transferring $8,000 of our of our uh, retirement into our uh, Project 239 uh, capital commitment. And uh, I said, you've heard from God. He said, yes, we've heard from God, and we, we're going to do that. I'll be doing it this week. And so I got a text one day. He said, I am ready to hit send on the computer and it will be electronically transferred into the church account when I, uh, when I hit this button and I, I feel good about it. It's kind of scary, but I feel good about it. And Within 24 hours, he was contacted for three unexpected contracts paying a commission of $7,000 Because God knows what's in your future. He knows what's coming down the road. And he wants to set you up for the miraculous. If you'll just allow your faith to overcome your fear. If you'll just be willing to step out of the boat and say, I believe. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I don't think I'm going to allow my fear to dominate today. Our son Jimmy was five years old, attending his first Faith Promise Commitment service. Um, Five years old, he 
was not gainfully employed, um, had no consistent income. And um, so we were all making commitments. He looked at his mother and he said, is four too much? And for Jimmy's economy, that could have been four rocks, four socks, four sticks. But we assumed he was talking about dollars, and so his mother helped him fill out a faith promise commitment card for $4 a month. And uh, the next couple weeks was his birthday, and um, family and friends gave him enough for his birthday that he was able to pay the tithe on his birthday money and pay off the whole year faith promise, and we encouraged him to do that. Encouraged him strongly. Strong-armed would be one, one thing you could say, but at any rate, he got it all paid off, and the money was gone, and uh, the kingdom of God was going to prosper, and uh, One of the families in the church called my wife, mother, and said, um, our son was sick and was not able to be at Jimmy's birthday party, but we have a gift for him. We'd like to stop by the house and drop it off. And uh, my wife said, fine. And they pulled up in front of our house, opened the back of their van, and took out a brand new red and black BMX mountain racer bike that was just Jimmy's size. And he has been a strong proponent and advocate of giving by faith ever since then. I will, um, I have so many references I could give you of the goodness of the Lord. I could tell you about the lady who uh, felt impressed to give her entire income tax return one year um, that she had planned to spend on an attorney to get custody of her children from her ex-husband. And um, she had quite an income tax return coming and she felt impressed to give that as a sacrifice offering. And uh, those of you who are Mothers can understand the weight of that significant sacrifice. But within the next two years, an attorney donated his time. But before they went to court, her husband called her and said, I can't take care of these children anymore. Would you just accept custody of them? God knows what you're, what's in your tomorrow. He knows what's in your future. He knows what's about to happen in your life. We moved to Columbus in the fall of 1992. We left our home in Jewett, which we had purchased on land contract for the grand sum of $15,000. It did have indoor plumbing, electricity. It had windows. It had a furnace. It was, we were happy there. The economy in Jewett was much different than it is in Columbus. And um, I was such a good investor that by the time 1992 rolled around, our $15,000 house was now worth $10,000. And there were no $10,000 houses on the market in Columbus of any kind. And we looked and we looked and we looked and we needed a place. God had called us there. We just needed a place to live. And um, we searched and we searched and we searched and we searched. And my wife called me one day. She said, I think I found something. I was off doing the work of God, being the God mighty man of faith and power. And uh, Proverbs says, a virtuous, a virtuous woman finds a field and purchases it. We're in the book here. My wife found an acre and a quarter field that had a house on it. And three-line ad in the paper, executive home for sale, lease, or rent. How do you spell desperate? 
And so uh, she called me and she said, uh, meet me. So we met. When we turned off of the street back into the subdivision, um, I looked at the pond. I looked at the houses around us. I said, babe, this is not our address. She said, we're only a block away. Will you, can we just go look at it? So we did what country folks did. We did not call the realtor. We went and peeked in the windows. <laughs> My wife and our three children and I went around this house peeking in the windows. We decided we could uh, survive on what we saw. And so we got in touch with the realtor. She came back with a monthly rent. I negotiated with her and... Um, she looked at me and she said, okay. I said, just call him and just, just call him and, and ask him. And um, on Christmas Eve, 1992, she called my wife. She said, well, Merry Christmas, kids. You got the house. And so we were moving in on a lease purchase agreement. Um, we moved in on New Year's Eve. Who moves into a new house on New Year's Eve and then has watch night service. And uh, in February, we had our installation on Friday and on Sunday morning. Sunday, we were having our mission, our first missions conference. And um, Brother Lehman, Brother Sism, Brother Judd were all there. Um, and we were going to take our faith promise commitment on Sunday night. And uh, so we're having a service on Sunday morning. And the Holy Ghost moved. It was wonderful. And uh, I looked over. I was getting ready to receive the offer. And I looked over and the Reverend Mother was standing at the steps over there. And so I went over and I said, yes. And saints are worshiping. Everybody's singing. And she's been crying. Who made my wife cry? She said, what has God spoken to you about this offering this morning? At that point, I should have just given up and said, go ahead. But anyway, she drugged the whole process out. Well, tonight's the night we make our faith promise commitment. She said, no, I'm talking about this morning's offering. What has God spoken to you? Well, obviously he's spoken to you. What did he say? And when she told me, I looked at her. I said, that's everything in our savings account. And she shook her head, yes. I said, and if, if we give that, you can forget about that house we're living in after the end of the lease. She said, I've already dealt with that. I said, well, then write the check. And she turned her hand over. and She'd already written the check. I said, put it in. Wiped out everything we had. And we were happy. We lived in that house until the lease was up and we kept on living in it and paying the same amount. And finally, real estate agent called and said, what do you want to do about buying this house? Well, <laughs> talk to Jesus. He, got, he has it. He has the money. And a lady from out of town called us, and she said, how much do you kids need to buy that house? And my wife told her, and she said, I have that much. And she said, I just need you to put it back in my account before I die. Uh, but you can have it interest-free. The check will be in the mail this week. And we bought the house and lived there until we sold it in February this year and moved into a, another place on one level. Hallelujah, because we're old and or we're going to get old. That's it. We're going to get old. And uh, a little bit smaller place because we don't need everything on two levels anymore. I just want you to understand something. God knows where you are and God knows what he's doing. And God is only giving you an opportunity to answer his call today through your harvest commitment. So how do you know what to do? Well, there are three components of your commitment this morning. The first is stewardship. Jesus said, give. 
It shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men heap to your bosom for the same measure you meet with all that shall be measured to you again. That's uh, Luke 6.38. So Jesus said, give and it shall be given unto you good measure. What's a measure? Well, that's your part. You can decide what it is. I have a thimble here and that's a measure. And uh, I will promise you today, if you will answer the call of God, whatever your measure is, it will, men will return to you Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the same measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And so when it's time for men to return to you, there's only one thing God needs. They will return to you because that's what his word says. But he, he is duty bound by his word to use the measure that you used. And so I figured out how that worked, and um, I'll call that Exhibit A. Is there anybody had, is there maybe something a little bit bigger? With the same measure, you meet with all. Thank you. With the same measure, you meet with all. If God can fill a thimble, God can fill that. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men keep to your bosom for the same measure ye meet with all. And when I, did, when I figured out how God operated, I said, let's put him to the test. And uh, I just decided that if all I had to do was provide the measure, all I have to do is provide the measure. And God said, if you'll provide the measure, I'll do everything else. And there are people here this morning who are going to get a revelation of what Jesus meant. The stewardship portion of your commitment today is give. And if that's all he'd have said, we'd have been responsible to give. But he went on and said, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So that's the first component. Only God knows what he's determined to do through this Calvary church to reach a world beyond your doorstep and to uh, bring the gospel to people who most of you will never see this side of heaven. Only, no, only God knows what he's determined to do through this church family corporately and through each of you individually. But if you will sincerely ask him what he wants your part to be, he will reveal his will to you. And so I charge you today, fear not. When he speaks... Uh, Fear not, because what he speaks to you, he is able also to perform. When he speaks, the only appropriate response is, yes, Lord. Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, he spoke to them of an offering being received for the church in Jerusalem. He said... Yeah, he said it. I just got to scroll up here to it. 2 Corinthians 8, 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to the wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, they did what they could do. That's your stewardship portion. You do what you have the power to do. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They did not just do what the young man did that I gave you in the first example when he was given $20 a month and uh, he decided he could afford 50 and God said 200 You know what the to your power portion is. 
And beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. You do understand that when you participate in this commitment today, this harvest commitment, you are taking on you the fellowship of ministering to the saints. Giving, sowing, and reaping is all proportional for 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Also, God wants us to give with purpose. Verse 7, every man according to the purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Brother Edwin Judd used to say, God, a, a hilarious giver is the kind God prizes. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you uh, that ye uh, always having all sufficiency. God wants you to have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And so uh, the stewardship portion is to your ability. Give, Jesus said, and it shall be given unto you. Then comes the second component of our commitment, and that is the sacrifice component. And so uh, if what you were determined or had determined you were going to do today does not include sacrifice, you're not finished yet. When David numbered Israel and God was angry with him, the prophet Gad came to David. He said, rear up an altar to the Lord and the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite and uh, Aruna said, here, I'll give you the, the land. I'll give you the, the oxen for a sacrifice. I'll give you the instruments of the oxen or the wood. I'll give you everything. And you go ahead and offer your sacrifice. And David said, nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. And so when you've given what you can by stewardship, then you add that sacrifice portion that is going to cost me something. And uh, the final component of your commitment today is the faith portion. Because actually, when we've done all we can do and we add all the sacrifice we can possibly add there's still going to be a need. But I serve a God who is so great that if you'll be willing to bring the stewardship portion, add to it the sacrifice portion, you have then strategically positioned yourself for God to step in by faith and add to what you are already willing to do. And so that's where when the young man said 20 and then he said 50, the 50 was, the additional 30 was the sacrifice portion. And God said 200 because God knew that there was going to be something happen on Tuesday that would increase his capacity beyond what he had any idea. The uh, need today is certainly worthy. The harvest offering pledge is uh, to be received by December 31st. Next time you print something for me, either bring me glasses or... <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's true. And the, then we, we need a monthly missions pledge uh, of at least $10,000 a month for the monthly missions outreach of the church and the harvest offering pledge of $100,000 to be returned by the 31st of December. And you say, that's a lot of money. I'm telling you, that's nothing compared to what God already has. 
because he's not waiting for Congress to pass a stimulus bill so he can advance his work. He already has everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Did you get the news flash? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything in the hills. And if I belong to him, he will make available to me everything I need if I'm going to be invested in his kingdom and in his work. God has put it on your pastor's heart to open a new work in Oxford. Three years ago, we opened a daughter work in Marysville. Sent three families there. We spent, we, we financed everything it took to get the church up and running. And we were prepared to invest for several years to come. But I will assure you that from the first service that little congregation has covered all of the expenses and everything it took to operate the church. They have, they have monthly giving to missions. They have everything they need to do what God's called them to do. And just about a year ago, we were able to put a little bit of money together and help them buy a building. And they now own their own building in downtown Marysville. I'm telling you, God already has the people strategically positioned in Oxford who are going to join them, themselves to the vision that he's given you. And everything that is needed will be supplied because God supplies the needs of his people. Hallelujah. 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 And so uh, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and said, go to Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. You know the story. The prophet showed up in Zarephath. Now, you know, it just bugs me that God didn't command a rich man to take care of that prophet. Can you imagine being the guy that has to go and inform the widow, the Lord has commanded you to sustain me. And he showed up in town, and there was the widow, and he said, get me a drink of water, and so she went off to get him the drink of water, and he said, while you're going, bring me a cake. And something snapped in her, and she said, I don't have a cake for you. I've got enough for one cake. He said, go ahead, and she said, my son and I are going to eat this last cake, then we're going to die. He said, go ahead, but make me a cake first. And there are people here today, you have no idea what's in your future if you'll just put the first cake in the hands of Almighty God. And the record of the scripture is that he and she and her house. And a few years ago I was reading that and all of a sudden the Lord said, how many, how many folks do you suppose were able to get crammed in her house and slide their feet under her table when the news got out? There might be a famine everywhere else, but there's meat in the widow's house. I'm talking to some people today. God's about to put something in your house that is going to feed people you don't even know yet. They're going to knock on your door. They're going to ask you, and you're going to have the answer in the name of Jesus. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So let's stand together. Now, maybe you've already filled out your commitment card. We accept scratch-outs and redos. And so, uh, you don't need to get a new commitment card unless you want to. All of the, um, all the phlegmatics will just write it anywhere and Sandwins 
they know what they want to do, and it might get written down, and they might forget about it. <laughs> the melancholies will get a new card. <laughs> but I want us to pray. And uh, if you want to get together with members of your family, I encourage children and parents to get together because God's going to bring it. Is something coming to your house. There is something coming to your house. Hear me today. There is something coming to your house. God knows what tomorrow brings for you, and He is able. He is not only able, but He will do exceeding abundantly above more than you can ask and more than you can think. So get your card and let's pray. Jesus, you're in this house today, and I thank you for your presence that is here. I thank you for the precious people of God who have come together in this place. In the midst of this COVID pandemic, when we don't know what's coming next, we know that you know, Lord, and you have made a way. You have brought us thus far, and you will not abandon us. You will not leave us. So in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will let our faith arise above our circumstance. Let our faith arise above the spirit of fear that has been that has been loosed upon our nation. In the name of Jesus, let the eyes of faith see the kingdom of God prosper as they sang the song. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will make a way, make a way, make a way, make a way, make a way where there seemeth to be no way. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.